Tonight, we launch our message series called Seasons, Understanding God's Plan in Every Season of Your Life. And one of the most common conversations I have with 18 to 25-year-olds is this conversation of confusion, of not understanding what is next or why is this happening. This isn't like what I expected. What is going on? And, and I wanted to be able to equip you, especially leading into this holiday season and there's this shifting in the atmosphere there's a shifting in the environments to make sure that every individual in this room is ready to face the shifting tides of your seasons the things that ebb and flow the up the down the the peaks and the valleys where are we at what seasons are you in and i believe that this message series is going to be very impactful, very insightful, very inspirational, and I hopefully through all this is very liberating for where you're at to let you know that no matter what season that you're in, God has a plan in every one of those phases. So with seasons changing, we can now look out and we see leaves changing colors. We see them falling to the ground. We see that the temperature is now descending. It's now, now no longer 105 degrees. It's now getting a little bit chilly. Any, any people that are big fans of the winter season and fall season? Okay. How many of you are big fans of the summer? Okay. See, I'm one of those guys. I love the winter season. I, I, it is my favorite thing. I love being able to layer up, get warm, have a nice hot cup of cocoa, celebrate the holidays. I love the winter season and everything that comes with it. And I hate the summer. I hate the heat. I hate the fact that no matter what you put on for the day, you can never strip down enough to feel like you're actually comfortable. Like it's like you can wear a tank top and shorts and still be sweating profusely in the Sacramento heat. I, I hate the heat. And, and so if that's you, if you do love the summer, I'll be praying for you because the summer is literally, that's the threshold of hell. That's what I really feel like. God is saying, hell is hot. So don't go there. Like get your life right. That's what summer does for me. It makes me repent. It makes me pray more because I, I, I just hate, I hate the heat. I, I despise it. And, and maybe for some of you, you might when it comes to, to the seasons and the changing of seasons, I don't know what your wardrobe looks like. I don't know if many of you use the weather app on your phone. But have you ever just seen someone just dressed for the wrong season? Like they're just wearing the wrong thing. Like what is this guy doing? Like homie, this isn't the Disney movie McFarlane. You do not have to run in that season. He's got a, maybe, maybe I've got this picture all wrong. Maybe that's like the evil villain in a Halloween movie and he's chasing him down in the, the bulldozer in the back and he's just running for his life listening to the final countdown. I don't know what's happening. But he's, he's not dressed for that season. What are you doing? Okay, wh what about this one? What? Ladies, you are at the beach. Okay? Stop it. Get, get some sunscreen on. Get some shorts and a bathing suit. Okay, maybe just get some shorts on. I don't know, but... They're not wearing the right, that's ridiculous. Is, is that just me? Why would you wear a scarf, a flannel, a, what, I don't know what is going on here. What are you doing? No. Okay, what's the next one? There's one more? Okay. That, that's just disgusting. I don't, I, that's just gross. That's ridiculous. Like, who does that? Like, that's, that's embarrassing. You shouldn't, 
Like, dude, put more clothes on. You are not fit to be wearing that Speedo. Like, that's, and then, it, and then not only that, it's, it's, he's reading a newspaper with his feet in freezing cold water. What is going on? And it's hysterical. It, 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 it's funny to look at, but it's horrible to experience. Because the reality is there's a lot of people in this room. It might not look like that physically when seasons change. But a lot of us look like that emotionally when seasons of our life change. A lot of us look that way when the seasons of our emotions change. When things happen in a relationship dynamic that we weren't ready for. Maybe we thought it was going in a different direction. We were dressed for a different outcome. We were dressed for a different result. And then when things don't go the way that we expected, not only do we feel humiliated, but we feel extremely uncomfortable. We feel ill-equipped. I don't know if any of you have ever felt this way before in a season in your life where maybe launching out into your own uh, chapter of adulthood, leaving the covering of your parents' household and their financial support, and you're having to figure out the logistics of your own bank statements, of your own bills that you have to pay, of figuring out how to get yourself up out of bed and get yourself to work without mom knocking on your door. It's time to go to school. And maybe for some of you, you've been scared to get into that next chapter and you've been clinging to that chapter. Scared of what that next season holds and what does it look like. And that's what this message series is dedicated to, of getting you equipped and making sure that you are prepared for whatever season lies ahead. Because here's why we're going to need to master the content of this message series. Because you cannot predict your future seasons of life. You can't predict them, but you can be prepared for them. That's why we've got to master this content for this message series because I would hate for you to leave this ministry and be that person in that season of your life where you're wearing a parka coat in 90 degree weather that you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling suffocated, you're feeling as if you're not dressed for the right season of your life. You guys tracking with me? Are you guys ready for this message series or what? Let's go. So with that being said, God is the greatest meteorologist of your life. He knows the forecast of your future. So when it comes to your life, stop thinking that you can predict the weather and the elements that you need to prepare for. God is the meteorologist of your life. He knows the forecast of your future. He knows what lies ahead. So this is, tonight I want to dedicate ourselves to looking at an individual who dedicated himself to the foreknowledge and the familiarity of who God is in the seasons of their life. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find the prophet Samuel. The prophet Samuel is now in a season of transition. He's in a season of change. The first 15 chapters, we find the prophet Samuel radically dedicated to a king named Saul. He loves Saul. He's become almost a father figure in the life of Saul. But what happens in Saul's life, he begins to harden his heart. He begins to disobey the commandments of God. And because of that, God is now on the search for a new king who has a heart bent towards pleasing God. And so God tells Samuel, it is now time to transition from Saul to a new king. And Saul was torn up. Uh, sorry, Saul was. But Samuel was emotionally 
frustrated. He was mentally confused. He was spiritually, what is going on, God? This was Saul. This was the anointed king. He was supposed to be the new savior and director of the children of Israel. What is happening? I don't know if you've ever felt like uh, Samuel before where you're in a season of familiarity, you're in a season of fondness, you really love that season that you're in, and then all of a sudden things shift, and now you're heading in a direction that's the complete entire opposite of what you've just grown accustomed to. But if you're wanting to launch out into the realm of faith, faith is not looking for your convenience. Faith is not catering to your comfort. God is not worried about your preferences. He's worried about your purpose and your heart being obedient. And he was talking to Samuel. Saul has turned his back to me. And he is not who I'm going to use to bring restoration to the children of Israel. I have someone else. And so here's what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It says this, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? How long will you sit there with that sad face and attitude? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you. To Jesse of Bethlehem, I have chosen one of his sons to be a king. And even right now, we find Samuel, he's in a season of transition. He's in a season moving from fondness and familiarity to fear and unfamiliar, unfamiliar territory. But guess what? This isn't even about Samuel. This is about David. But Samuel said, how can I go, Saul? How, how, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate, the one that I will show you. Samuel did what the Lord said. This is what I love about Samuel in this passage, despite his fear, his trepidation, and his hesitancy, he still did what the Lord was saying. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliah. And thought, surely, surely this is the Lord's anointed standing here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, you need to underline and write this down, circle it, highlight it. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right here, we're getting a key indicator. If we want to be prepared for seasons changing, we cannot look at the things of the surface. We cannot look at things as the way the world does or secular culture might. We have got to look at things with the sacred eyes of heaven and eternity with the eyes of God. Then Jesse called, um, sorry, Abinadab, and had him in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? 
there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. But he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And I want you to underline that passage as well. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. David is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. This passage is so profound of the seasons of David's life. If we see right here, David is setting such a prime example that if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Look over your neighbor right now. Say, if you stay ready. Nah, see, y'all ain't even talking to your neighbors right now. This is a community. Come on, we're family. Look at your neighbor. Say, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Listen to this. If you, if you establish... If you establish a prayer routine in your life, your life will be anything but routine. If you establish a prayer routine, your life will be anything but routine. How do we know that? Because when we begin to be guided and directed by the Spirit of God, we do not know who will cross our path. We don't know when the timeline is going to happen. We don't know what we're going to be involved in. But what we do know that when it comes, we will be ready. That's what David was setting the precedent for. David was setting the fact, I don't have to get ready to be the king because I'm already staying in position to the king of kings. I'm already in process with him. See, the plans of God can only be revealed in the presence of God. The plans of God can only be revealed in the presence of God. What we're seeing here right now, what is happening, David's ordinary acts of obedience are preceding extraordinary moves of God. David is setting himself up to see God do something so significant when on the surface with what man is looking at, they would have had no clue or inclination that God was going to anoint David to be the king. David was the youngest of his brothers and he was serving the sheep in obscurity. This is what I love about this passage. My goodness, if you get this, this will change your life. When you pray to God regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. When you pray to God regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. Quote Mark Batterson. That's his phrase. What we're seeing here, what happens? I love this. If you read the passage, Samuel arrives at the location and the destination where he's going to anoint the new king. He arrives at Jesse's house. He arrives at the appointed time. And he arrives ready to give this promotion to elevate one of Jesse's sons to a position of prominence and power and prestige. But guess what? Who's not there? David. But wait a second. Don't we get kind of twisted if it, when we're serving God in one season of our life and then we see someone else getting appointed and anointed in another season, what's our tendency? We want to leave our current season of servitude to go over here and try to get what this person is experiencing. Read this in chapter 16. I love this. I love this. 
we find Samuel, he goes through the whole lineage of Jesse, all of his sons. Then he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? He said, there is still the youngest. Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said this, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. I love this. Samuel, get this, he's anointing, looking for the next king of Israel, the next leader, the next king that is going to transition the children of Israel into a new saga of of being prestigious again, of being God's anointed. And he's looking here, ready to give the gift. The opportunity is happening at this moment in a completely different location. David is in the field, nowhere near where that's happening, not in proximity to. But at the very same time, he's doing what his father's asked him to do. At the very same time, scripture reads, we see that he has a legacy of when he is in the field, when no one else is watching, he's praying and petitioning God, singing hymns before God. We find that he has a resume that not only is he in the field tending sheep, but he's killing lions and he's killing bears. He's doing magnificent feats of God with no one else spectating. And he's not worried about the accolades. He's not worried about the compliments. He's not worried about getting the recognition. He's just worried about being obedient to God. In the season that he was in, David had no clue what was on the other chapter of his obedience. See, David's ordinary acts of obedience preceded extraordinary acts of God. And he wasn't worried about, well, God, if I'm serving these sheep, will I be a king one day? That was not, in his re- that was not what he was asking for. He was simply looking to honor God and to please God in the season that he was in. So then what happens? Samuel says this. I love this. Go get him. And we're not sitting down until he gets here. In other words, the opportunity was waiting for David to arrive. (laughs) Most people get so worried that they're going to miss an opportunity. And so they try to man make their They try to make it happen on their own. When God's saying, no, 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 I got you. I got you covered. If you seek me first in the season, guess what? This opportunity is going to be pressed on pause. And you're not going to miss it. Because I've got this position lined up that even when you're not in the geographic location, even when you're not at the right place at the right time, it doesn't matter. As long as you have the right heart, I will open up the doors necessary to get you into that next season, to make sure that you're equipped, to make sure that you're informed, to make sure that you are prepared for whatever that next chapter and whatever that next season is. And so David is just out tending to his flock, and then all of a sudden they go and get him, and he stumbles upon greatness. Literally, he had no clue what was about to happen, not realizing that he was not just tending sheep anymore, that he was now going to be the leader of the children of God. As a teenage boy, all because he had a regular routine of seeking God, that irregular things happened on a regular basis. You know what I love? That David wasn't even shocked by it because he was already in the field killing lions. He was already in the field doing supernatural acts that no person in his position should have been able to accomplish. What you need to understand is that you don't need to seek opportunity. 
All you have to do is seek God, and if you seek God, opportunity will seek you. That's why he says in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. I'll just give them to you. You want to know how I prove it? David, we, we'll follow the legacy of David. We're going to look at Psalms 23. Let's bring up, the, I love Psalms 23. This is David writing a poetic expression. The warrior poet David says, the Lord is my best friend. Is the Lord your best friend? Or is he just a preferential friend? That when things are going good, that's when you guys talk. Well, but, but when you got beef, you go over to your other group of friends, and then you, you know, you, you go at them on social media, you subtweet, you kind of do little things. Don't you? Where's God at with you? Because if he's not your best friend in this course and in this season, you're going to be ill-equipped for every season that you face because, like I said at the beginning, God is the meteorologist for your future. He knows the forecast. He knows what lies ahead. So David says, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasures and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. This sounds like a man that he knows the ebb and flow of God. This sounds like a man who's not concerned about seasons and shifting tides. He's not worried about culture changing and things happening around him because he already knows he's got the source of life. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me because you already have won. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely. Why? For you are near. And this is the verse I want to get to. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So here we go, here we go. So why would I fear the future? Look at this. He answers it. For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. I want to focus on his answer to his question. Why would I fear the future? Why would I fear the next season of my life? He goes, because your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Look at this. David is in the field. The opportunity is there. The opportunity chases David down, it pursues him, grabs a hold of David, changes his geographic location, and puts him in the right position at the right time because he, David knows he's not the author of his season. He can't predict his future, but he knows that he can be prepared for it. And so in this, I love this concept. David was a man, he ran, he hid. He hid from Saul. 
when he was about to inherit the throne, when he was getting terrified, when he was getting scared, and the Spirit of God still pursued him even then. And here's what I want you to know. No matter where you run, no matter where you go, the goodness of God will pursue you. He will chase you down. And if you even try to hide, Scripture says, there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. No height, nor depth, no power of principalities. Even if I make my bed in death and darkness, you are there. What does that mean? Is that there's literally times where people are running from the goodness of God and goodness and mercy are chasing after them. They're like, you can't get away. No matter where you go, I'm going to chase you down. And you're like, yeah, God, you told me to go on that mission trip, but I'm not going to go on that mission trip. I'm going to go... I'm going to go get in this relationship with this really hot girl. That's what I'm going to do. And you start running. And as you're running, right behind you is goodness and mercy. And you, you try to run another 50 feet. You try to run another 1,000 miles. And right there on your heels is goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. You can try to evade it, escape it, elude it. No matter what you try to do, it will pursue you all the days of your life. That's the God that we serve. So no matter what season you're in, whether you're in a season of plenty or a season of lack, guess what's next to you? Goodness and mercy. He's pursuing you. So when you seek God, you don't need to seek opportunity because opportunity will come and seek you. You know God loves you probably more than you love yourself. And he wants to give you good things even when you feel like you don't deserve them. And, you know, he's that good of a God that he'll give them to you anyway, even when you don't. Scripture says that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Not when we had our life right. Not when we got it all together. Not when we felt like we had the Bible memorized from front to back and we actually completed a new version app on our phone. No, no, no. In the middle of your heartache, your heartbreak, and your self-sabotage, he died for you. So that goodness and mercy would follow you all the days of your life. David had an eternal perspective that determined his earthly priorities. But most of us have an earthly perspective that determines our eternal priorities. Let me, let me, let me just give you a little illustration. Okay. Dylan, where you at? There you go. That's my man right there. So imagine this rope, this rope is your life. And it's, it's now going all the way back there. But now imagine that that rope, it goes out the door, it goes down the street, and it circles the world, and it never ends. It goes, it goes to other galaxies. In other words, this is your life because you're an eternal being. Some of you might not know that, but the reality is that you were built for eternity, that when your life ends here on earth, your real life really begins. And so what I did is that this bit of tape on the end of this rope, that is your time on earth. This is your time on earth. And the rest of this rope going through the aisle, out the door, down the street, all the way around the world, into the galaxy, it goes on forever, ever, and ever, and ever. That's the rest of your life. And what I found is that a lot of people 
get so consumed with making microscopic de de decisions that will only affect this phase of your life. That most of you are so intrigued with an earthly perspective that you think that your singleness is the, the culmination of who you are. And so you rush into relationships because you're, you're tired of being lonely in this season. And so since you made that decision now, it now affects the long-term ramifications of eternity. And there's a lot of people that make long-term decisions on short-term seasons. What? There are people that make long-term decisions in short-term seasons. And are you thinking of eternity? Are you thinking of what God really created you to inherit? Or are you only fixed on this season of life on this earth? You see, David wasn't concerned about his season on earth. When you look through the legacy of David, he was always a man after God's heart. That's why he faced Goliath without any sort of fear. He says, you come with sword and spear, but I come in the name of the Lord. How is he able to say such audacious things? Because he doesn't have an earthly perspective. He has an eternal one. He has a lens that he's looking at it much differently than he ever has before. David, he knew no matter what season he was in, this isn't what he was concerned about. There you go. Take that, Kelsey. He was concerned about the rest of eternity. He was wondering, what decisions am I going to make today that's going to send ripples in the rest of eternity for my life? What decisions are you making today in this current season? Are you occupied with just eluding or getting out of this season to try to get to better and greener pastures? Well, in Psalms 23, he says, you lead me beside still waters and you make me lie down in green pastures. God knows what you need even before you ask. So whether you're in a season of problems whether you're in a season of process or if you're in a season of reaching pinnacles, all of those fail to compare to the eternal weight of glory God has prepared for us. And if you can begin to shift your perspective on the season, if you can begin to walk hand in hand with the meteorologist of your life and let him give you peace that passes understanding because he knows the forecast of your future. Imagine the peace that you would inherit in life. Imagine the influence you would have in culture and in society and with your friends and your family because you are not burdened down with the brokenness of this world because Paul says that our current suffering, it can't even compare to our future glory. Jesus said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So we can either suffer the pain of discipline now or the pain of regret later. And some of us in this room, we got to start operating with the wisdom of God in our life. Wisdom is understanding and knowledge being utilized to develop our purpose, but wisdom is also when our past experience and our future hopes collide. Because wisdom 
Wisdom is learning from your past so that you can lean into your future. Some of you have got to start seeking God's wisdom in your situation. With your past hurts, with your past failures. And we know this, that anyone that fails to learn from history is doomed to repeat it. And I just wanted to establish the ground for this message series of that in any season that you're in, if God is not the compass that guides you, if the Holy Spirit is not what is navigating you through your decisions, you will never be prepared for whatever season that you face. Are you prepared for heartache? Are you prepared for letdown and disappointment? Are you prepared when the world throws trouble your way? Because Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have it. In this life on earth, he says, but take heart. Find confidence in me. I've overcome it. And because of that, you get to be more than a conqueror through me. And some of you are currently in a season where you feel confused, you feel overwhelmed, and you feel ill-equipped, and you don't know what to do, and that's so good because you don't need to. God has got you covered. David stumbled upon greatness, not because he was leaning on his own abilities, but because he was leaning into the loving arms of his father. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, and I'm going to close. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, in every season that you're in, submit to Him. And He will make your path straight. But Blake, I get so... I get so worried, I get, uh, I get so anxious, I get so confused, I get so angry, I get so sad, I get so depressed. Don't, don't worry. You can trust him because he's going to make your path straight. Don't trust in your own understanding because typically your emotions are typically attached to what you understand. Most of us are sad because of what we understand and what we comprehend. Most of us are, 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 struggle with depression and self-hatred because of what we understand. We look at culture, we don't feel like we measure up, so we begin to despise ourselves and hate ourselves because that's what we understand. He says, no, 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 trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on what you understand because what you understand is limited. What you understand is finite. What you understand will not get you out of the problem that you put yourself in. What you understand is what got you in this position in the first place. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In every season that you're in, in every situation that you're facing, acknowledge him and he'll work it out. And I, I know there are people in this room that you're wrestling with a season. You're wrestling with having an obedient heart. You're wrestling with trusting God, with your future, with your plans, with that relationship, with that career, with that college pursuit. I don't know, there, there's just an unyielded part of your life to God. And so what I want to do with this next portion of service 
I wanted to have Jay sing this song. And I want this song to minister to you into your season of where you're currently at. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to speak to you. I'm not gonna pray for you. We're gonna allow this song to minister to you. The lyrics are gonna come on the screen and have a moment with God right now. Have a holy moment with the Father that loves you and sees you and cares for you.